This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. Most of the communities across Michigan recently had a November election. It wasn't for the president or for the governor, but there were plenty of interesting questions on those ballots. And for 10 communities, a big question was, what are we going to do about marijuana? And most of those communities said no, which follows a trend since we legalized marijuana in Michigan of these issues coming up on local ballots, these being ordinances allowing legal recreational pot shops, and most communities saying no. And so that has created a lot of speculation in Michigan about what that means for our new recreational market here and what it means for legalization in general. And after this past election, you heard a lot of, this is bad news for the industry. This is bad news for proponents of uh, legal marijuana. It is a little more complicated than that, though. I mean, you saw a lot of people who've been proponents of marijuana in Michigan for a number of years actually opposing some of these local ordinances. One of them is Jerry Millen. He is the owner of the Greenhouse Dispensary in Wald Lake, a community that had one of these questions. And he, as a business owner, opposed this for a number of reasons, including him saying it might be going too far too fast for Wald Lake. I put a lot of time in this industry as many of my friends and people I know, good people put a lot of time to, to get this where we are. And if we start letting it run amok, because a couple of people in our industry are like, oh, open the cap, make it free for all. No, that, that will only cause problems. We should mention that uh, Jerry says that he is not worried about the new competition. You could take that with a grain of salt, but that, again, he is worried about what if if too many businesses are allowed too fast, what that might mean for the industry. So, again, a lot of people already inside the industry grappling with this, and so it's not really an easy yes or no on this issue. Right, and you might be thinking to yourself, didn't I vote on this issue a year ago? Why are we still talking about this? But what happened was is when people decided to legalize recreational marijuana that came with some abilities for communities to weigh in and to decide how specifically to regulate that and initially a lot of communities hundreds in fact said you know what we are not allowing this at this time and now people in various communities are able to put together ballot proposals and you know send them to the ballot and say this is how we think legal marijuana should be regulated in our community. And this is definitely something that people are going to need to watch for because we're going to be voting on this probably for years to come. And it's important to note that now, one year after people in Michigan said that they wanted recreational marijuana to be legal, that they're finally now just accepting applications for businesses to operate as recreational marijuana stores. So, and we might not see those start for several months now. So a lot of communities, even though they're saying no, a lot of them might be taking a wait and see approach for when these start opening to see how successful it is in certain communities, what it means for other communities before they start looking at whether or not it's right for them or how to regulate it within their own communities. So this is not necessarily a no forever. A lot of these things might be coming up over and over again in the future. It's going to be a slow burn. Jake, you have been following marijuana in Michigan since 
well, since you had my job, so for quite a few years, and for this week's episode, you were talking to some some very interesting people to kind of get a really good holistic idea of what the current situation is. Yes, it's been 80 years. No, um, <laughs> I have been making calls trying to figure out uh, exactly how people are reacting to this, especially people who've been working in this area for a very long time. Uh, a little bit earlier, we heard a clip from Jerry Millen of the greenhouse in Wald Lake. And so I talked to him about what's going on. And then after my conversation with him, uh, we'll hear my conversation with Rick Thompson, who is a member of Michigan Normal an organization that advocates on behalf of freeing the weed, per se. So uh, first off, here's what Jerry Millen of the Greenhouse in Wald Lake had to say. First and foremost, I want to say that uh, at the Greenhouse in Wald Lake, we are not afraid of competition. You know, I'm on the board of directors of the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association. We have over 200 members. I welcome competition. This industry of cannabis is new in Michigan. We need competition. But with that being said, we need good and we need smart competition. We don't need an outsider, you know, a businessman hiding behind a straw man because no one really knows who's behind Prop 1 in Wald Lake or who was behind the Kegel Harbor initiative, but it was the same group, but uh, they have a straw man. So these are just businessmen wanting to come into small communities where it only takes a few signatures to get something on the ballot. That's why Wald Lake and Kegel was chosen. Very small communities in Oakland County, very few signatures needed to get a ballot proposal in place. These are just people that want to make money. And I don't begrudge anybody that wants to make money in business. That's what America's about. This industry is not what you see on television. There's no such thing as getting rich overnight unless you win the lottery. So a lot of people look at this from the outside going, oh, it's marijuana. We're going to get rich. We just get a license and we got millions of dollars. Not the case. Coming from a business owner at the greenhouse there in Walled Lake, it's a lot of work. And there's not much profit margin. There's a tax code 280E you know, where we, we can't write anything off. So the money is not as big as people think, and the risk is huge, and it's a lot of work. So I opposed it because Walt Lake is small. There's 7,000 residents there. They wanted to have 11 dispensaries in a 2.2-square-mile city, which is ludicrous. And it's just people that want to make money, and I have a problem with that. If there's, if there's a need right now, there's an ordinance for three marijuana dispensaries allowed in Walt Lake, and I think that's plenty. If the need arises, they have more then so be it. The city council can make that decision based on the public's, you know, what they want. But there's no, no reason to put 11 stores in one small city. Same in Kego Harbor. They tried to do the same thing. So I was opposed to it because this needs to be smart and sensible, not some rich guys trying to come in and throw 11 dispensaries in some small city and cause it into chaos, because that's all that was. But the Walled Lake voters and the Kego Harbor voters were smart enough to see through this and said, this is not what we want. When we voted for Prop 1 last year in Michigan to make adult-use cannabis legal for 21 and over, this is not what we wanted. We didn't want a pot shop on every corner. That's not, the, that's not what they wanted. If they did, then it would have won yesterday in Wald Lake, and it didn't. So this is all about money, and I applaud the voters of Wald Lake because they did the right thing, and they're not going to let outside people come into their city and run amok. 
You're involved with a lot of people that have been part of this long-standing effort to liberalize marijuana laws in Michigan. What have you been hearing from from a lot of them about your opposition to this? Is there is there a divide uh, among activists that you've noticed uh, in terms of sh- should we just take the cap off or should we be super liberal with how many licenses we're giving? Uh, you know, have, is there a disagreement that you're sensing with other uh, marijuana activists in the state? Um, not many. You know, I think. I think all the sensible ones, the ones that I work with, that understand that this industry that it's becoming is changing and evolving, and we need to do it the smart way. The, the smart people I work with, they get it. There's some naysayers out there that are like, you know, free the weed, F the police. You know, that never worked for us in the past. That's why it took us so long to get marijuana to where it is now. You know, we have to be sensible about, sensible about this. We can't be free the weed, F the police. You know, government sucks. Unfortunately, <laughs> You can't go about it that way. It didn't work for tens of years here in America. When we got smart and we organized and we went and we had intelligent discussions with lawmakers and explained it to them with patients like Bella, they understood. And it's all about sensible growth and having good owners and people that are in this for the right reasons. I know people are going to come in that just want to make money, and I'm fine with that to each their own. But at the end of the day, I put a lot of time in this industry, as many of my friends and people I know, good people put a lot of time to to get this where we are. And if we start letting it run amok, because a couple of people in our industry like, oh, open the cap, make it free for all. No, that that will only cause problems. This is a slow rollout. We're still in the controversial industry. This is still controversial, albeit it's getting better. I never thought we'd be here today in 2019. You know, I have a billboard on a major freeway for my dispensary in the greenhouse in Walled Lake which blows my mind. I love it that we're legal and people have the choice. People aren't getting locked up as much for marijuana. People are going to get their, their records expunged. So we're, we are where we are because we've done it the right way. It's baby steps, and it's still baby steps. We can't go in and say, unlimited dispensaries, everybody gets a license. Because number one, people that don't know anything about cannabis will get licenses. Number two, people that don't know anything about business will get licenses. Then we'll create failures or or bad operators, and then we'll have problems, and those problems will encompass the entire industry. Like in in, in, in Oakland County, Greenhouse of Wald Lake was the first licensed dispensary in Oakland County, and I knew I had a bullseye on my back, and I still do, and I will for the next 10 years to come. If I screw up in Oakland County, I make the whole industry look bad. So we run a great ship and a tight store at the Greenhouse. And that's important. So the people that didn't agree with me that our industry, I respect their opinion, but I respectfully disagree because we need smart and sensible rollout. That's Jerry Millen, the owner of the Greenhouse Dispensary in Walled Lake. I also decided to give a call to Rick Thompson, someone that I've known for a while who has been advocating on behalf of marijuana patients and caregivers in the marijuana industry for many years. He's a board member of Michigan Normal. He's also a cannabis journalist here in Michigan. I wanted to get his take on all of this, plus other issues affecting the marijuana market in Michigan right now. He sees this a little differently than Jerry, but they both agree they don't think too much should be made of the results of this past election. Many of the communities who don't allow businesses have publicly stated they're just waiting until 2020 before taking a serious look at adding this segment to their local economy. Most communities which are saying no are actually just saying not yet. So I don't perceive this as a bad year for cannabis petitions at all. 
I think it's important to remind people that this isn't just an, a yes or no vote. Should we have legal uh, weed here or legal shops here? These are very specific ordinances. They have a lot uh, to them, and uh, it seems like even existing businesses could be threatened in some ways by them. I'm curious what you think of that. But local petition drives are the purest form of democracy there is. The Prop 1 language brought this option to hundreds of townships whose residents can petition for cannabis businesses but cannot petition for other law changes. Cannabis legalization increased democracy's availability in Michigan. Giving people a choice is not a bad thing. I will tell you, sometimes petition drives were accelerated based on an artificial time frame established by the marijuana regulatory agency which forced communities to decide whether they were opting in or opting out to the legalization program we did not see that language in the medical marijuana business program which is why there was not this rush to petition after the medical marijuana business program came into existence so what are your thoughts about uh, again the uh, the possible squabbles between existing businesses that are now selling medical marijuana and these ordinances, which are in, in a lot of ways written very specifically uh, for spe- for businesses trying to move into communities, do you foresee there being sort of a, uh, a struggle there between businesses that already exist and ones that are hoping to come into these communities? When we see cannabis business owners who are owners of other businesses, we expect that business will behave the way business traditionally has behaved in Michigan, which is protectionism, uh, deny opportunity to any competitors. So this is a, a juxtaposition with the advocacy that's normally inherent in a petitioning process. For example, in Northfield, there was an anti-cannabis petition which was defeated. Uh, Lincoln Park and Allen Park are neighboring communities, and nearly identical pro-cannabis business petitions were rejected in one and embraced in another. So we're seeing confusion on the part of our citizens in Michigan, which is not assisted by some of the confusing language being thrown out there by business persons who are trying to protect their own financial interests. So uh, I'm also curious about the process that's just starting to allow people to apply for recreational licenses to sell. Um, So far, what is your assessment on how that's moving forward and when you expect businesses to start being able to open? The Marijuana Regulatory Agency has established currently that there will be no bleed from the medical marijuana supply chain into the legalized cannabis supply chain, which means that the entire supply chain for the legalized businesses needs to be established and functioning before sales begin. That's why we expect sales to take place in March or April of 2020, after we've had a full cycle of cultivation, processing, packaging, and prepared for distribution. So this is a much more organized an intelligent way to approach the industry than we saw with the rollout of the Medical Marijuana Facilities Licensing Act. I'm impressed with the restraint being exercised by the Marijuana Regulatory Agency since at this particular time there is no excise tax being collected in the state of Michigan and the program they've instituted actually will delay collecting excise tax. And typically we think of the state government as wanting to gobble up every tax dollar that's available as soon as it could be gobbled and in this instance, they're taking a slow, cautious approach. I think that's that's a wise move on their part. You sort of touched on this already, but we keep hearing about the uh, shortage of supply in in the uh, medical part of the industry right now. W- what is your take on why that is and what can be done about it? 
Michigan is following the example that we've seen in other states, which had both a medical and an adult use program. Rollouts of these programs are extensive. They're slower than we would like to see them. Cultivation centers are oftentimes being constructed from a bare earth all the way into a fully functioning business. So there's no uniformity in how quickly product can be delivered to market. So as we see Michigan's medical business program mature, we'll see some of those supply chain issues settle out. That's exactly what we saw in other states. And in the legalized cannabis program in Michigan, they're trying to avoid these kind of supply chain hiccups that we're seeing right now, which is why I think it's a more intelligent approach to get a fully functioning production and distribution system before allowing sales to take place. You talk to some people uh, in the industry right now, and they're saying this is a totally artificial uh, so, uh, you know, issue when it comes to the supply that uh, it's, it's government created and what it's doing is really contributing to the black market right now. I'm curious what you think of that. Well, I agree that the way that the government is controlling medical marijuana in the system does contribute to the black market's success. Earlier this year, we saw shelves in distribution centers full of cannabis because caregivers were allowed to participate at a retail level in providing cannabis. Since the government has decided to discontinue that program and change it into a more difficult-to-qualify-for program, we now see bare shelves. So the government absolutely knows what the solution is to this, they are just reluctant or refusing to take that solution. And that would be to roll us back to the same rules we had on January 1, 2019. Uh, anything else you want to add at this point? You know, um, this is important to know. Um, failed local elections cannot stop the advancement of the cannabis industry in Michigan. In 2018, Colorado sold over $1.5 billion worth of cannabis products, and only 35% of their communities allow cannabis businesses to operate in them. Our program in Michigan will be hindered by slow local participation, but there's nothing that can derail this freight train. Rick Thompson is a cannabis journalist, an activist, and a board member of Michigan Normal. That's all for Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for listening.